Hello and welcome to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today. Your co-hosts, Valian Likely and Catherine Lotzbeach. Welcome to this week's episode, where we have an exciting topic for you. This week, we are going to provide perspectives from millennial consumers who have little to no ties in agriculture and why they choose which foods to buy that they do. Val? Yes, we are really excited to have some non-agricultural people here today, but people that are very near and dear to my heart. They're friends of mine that went to uh, Colorado State or family members or Colorado University um, and are great, great friends of mine, but really opened my eyes to the non-agricultural community. And I'm super excited to have them here today to share their perspective on agriculture, why they choose the food they do, and just provide a different outlook. So I'm going to have each of them kind of go around and introduce themselves, tell them, tell us their name, kind of where they're from, and if they have any ties to agriculture, maybe their initial gut reaction to agriculture or stereotypes they see in agriculture. Hi, my name is Hope Irwin, and I'm from southeastern Colorado. Um, I grew up in a pretty small town filled with agriculture people, but I never was associated. I never worked on a farm or anything. Um, I'm a PA student currently, and a stereotype I would think of with agriculture is make America great again hats. I'm Austin Knapp. I'm from Denver area, and I don't have any ties to agriculture. I think the stereotype that I have is a lot of work. It seems like a lot of work to be in agriculture. My name is Ray Vincent. I'm from Falcon, Colorado. I have a little bit more tie to agriculture, hence that my dad's side of the family uh, has ranches in Kansas, and I've worked for uh, feed and supply stores most of my life. And then also I'm in the brewery industry now and deal with buying grains and such like that. So I have ties to it, but uh, I'm by no means an expert. Uh, stereotypes I see, uh, not think, but see would be that anybody in that would be a redneck or uh, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or just, uh, as Hope said, some political beliefs. But uh, my perception of Agriculture um, stereotype would be nothing but hardworking people uh, supporting their family and working 20 plus hours a day. Awesome. My name is Kyle Truxa. I'm actually a clinical pharmacist up in Greeley, Colorado, so just north of Denver. Um, I don't have any experience with agriculture per se, but a lot of the patients that I see in clinic actually do work on farms and uh, work with a lot of livestock. So um, I do have exposure to it in that sense. Um, in terms of any myths or anything that I see in terms of agriculture. Um, a lot, like I said, a lot of the patients that I do see are very hardworking people and kind of to echo what Ray was saying. Um, they're hardworking, they really care about their family and care about you know, providing for society. So I think that's something that I see on a day-to-day -day basis. Hi, my name is Lauren Knapp. I'm an attorney. I live in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Um, and I guess I have zero experience with the agriculture community. Uh, just basically Val and my conversations is about what I get. Um, I would say my stereotype with agriculture community is I just like picture a farm per state. I don't realize how big probably the agriculture community is and the variety of it. So that would be my uh, stereotype. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for that introduction. And I'm excited to kind of see where the conversation takes us today. I'm um, going to keep it kind of light, but just kind of want to have 
kind of a table table conversation with you guys on what your perception is and what you're looking for when you go to the grocery store. I know I have some jaded perceptions just because I'm in it day to day. Um, and I just would want to get your guys' take on, on why you buy the things you do. So is there anything when you walk into the grocery store that you're looking for, whether it's price, organic, natural, or just something to fill your bellies? Um, well, since I'm a student, I typically look for cheaper prices. I'm, I usually don't typically care if it's organic or not, and depending on the night too, am I meal prepping or am I cooking for like a date night? Um, it just depends on that. So how come you don't care that it's, whether it's organic or not? What makes, why doesn't that make a difference to you? Um, well, I grew up not ever really caring if it was organic or not. Um, I mean, I've talked to Val a lot about organic versus not organic, and it truly doesn't really make a difference to me. I think we wouldn't be able to sustain a whole nation by just pure organic. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, for me, it's a it's a price thing as well. I I think that's the sole reason that I choose to not go organic is is because of the the extra cost associated with organic, and then. I think more than anything, the things that drive me to buy the foods that I eat is just, that's what I like to eat. And, um, so no matter, I guess in that sense, the cost really doesn't matter is there are certain things that I like to eat. And, um, most of the time when I'm going through the grocery store, I don't even really look at the, look at the price tag. I just have things that I eat every week at work or at home. And, uh, that's how I, that's how I pick what I'm going to buy. I'd say uh, price, uh, is a factor for sure for me. When I go to the store though, it's, I kind of look at both. I go for kind of quality. I inspect kind of what I'm getting. I don't just buy something that's prepackaged, uh, say like green beans. I'd rather go grab ones that are out there instead of already in a bag and ready to go. Uh, and then just where I shop, I know there's, you know, you got your Safeways and your Kroger stores and I prefer uh, King Supers. I just feel like their quality that they bring in is better on meats and vegetables. Um, and they also support a lot of local farms. So there's a lot of Southern Colorado farms near where Hope lives actually. And they buy a lot of those um, fruits and vegetables from them. So I just like supporting, if I see that I can support a small business or farmer, that is always a buying point for me. Um, I don't shop at Walmart or, you know, Costco, those places just to save money. I still like the price point to be there, but I'm not going the cheapest, but yeah, it's, and as far as like organic and non-organic, I know there's a lot of arguments, uh, pesticides, stuff like that, but that never comes into my mind. Uh, I like rinse my vegetables. I think I'm good. And yeah. You trust that. That even the conventional has been tested, and that you feel confident that that food supply is still safe and free of any harmful. Yeah, I feel like bacteria. when I'm when I'm buying some, something, whether it's vegetables or, or meat, it's it's my perception that I'm going to have to put a little work into cleaning up, not just buy a vegetable and just eat it. I know that I have to rinse it, and with me, I know I got to cook it at a certain temperature and make sure it's safe, not just oh, this is safe. Um, I, th I trust in what they're bringing in the stores. 
Yeah, I think I'll keep my response a little bit more brief, but I, I think the main thing for me is I uh, do enjoy supporting local uh, farmers and whatnot by buying fresh produce in the grocery stores. But for me, it's a, a lot of times a convenience thing. So even just going to Costco and buying that big bag of vegetables that's already pre-cut, pre-washed, um, that's in the fr frozen section, I mean, that, that's pretty easy for me. And so, you know, cooking for one person on most days of the week that's kind of what I lean towards um, for better, for worse. Right. So. I, I would just say when I go in the store, I just look at what looks the best. Like I'll, I'll normally go towards non-organic, but if I'm between like, I don't know, an onion that's organic or an onion that's not organic and one looks better than the other, that's the one I'll go to. So definitely like the shinier apples are the ones that I want. Um, so I look more towards what the food looks like when I buy it compared to like organic or not or price. Something that's eye appealing that you think's gonna, you can physically see the taste of it almost yeah. is kind of, kind of where you're at that one. Yep. What about, um, food being a product of the USA? Does that sway you guys one way or the other, whether you're going to buy it or not? Yes. So. I don't know. I imagine food being traveled from a different country and how long that would take. Um, I feel like that would have a factor and also I just would rather buy local US things than out of the country. I, I think, think I think what's interesting though is we don't necessarily know if like avocados or yeah. strawberries that we're buying are from the US. I mean they could pretty easily be from Mexico and I don't think that we necessarily know that. That's a good point. So would you prefer that all food be labeled or do you think that's a opportunity to market i think if it had a usa sticker on it i would 100 percent be more likely to buy it than something that wasn't from us would you buy it if it had that label and it cost more than something than the same exact product but it was grown somewhere else i think it depends how much you know if it was like twice as expensive probably not um but if it was uh if it was within range of being the the same general cost i would say yeah um, I'd, I'd much prefer to support American farms and agriculture industries than elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I love supporting America as well, but a lot of it comes down to how much we enjoy our food. So if you get a banana that tastes better that comes from Costa Rica versus Florida or what have you, um, I'd probably be more inclined to go with the Costa Rican banana because it tastes better to me, you know? So, I mean, it, it's a kind of a gray area. I think, I think there in a nutshell we have we have um the the debate about country of origin labeling and I think you guys um summed it up really nicely. So thank you. Thank you for your perspectives on that. Um always something we can dive more into, but I know there's a bunch of us here and a lot to go through. So I think one question I guess I have for you lately is there's been a big buzzword of sustainability and I have probably a different definition of what sustainability means to me in agriculture versus maybe what you guys think of as sustainability. And I didn't know if when somebody says this was sustainably grown, what's your guys' gut reaction and what, what does that mean to you? And is that something you're going to support? <laughs> um, everyone kind of glancing. Uh, I think... If it's labeled correctly and sustainable, it, it does trigger something to me like, okay, that's cool. What I'm down to support that. Um, and then other parts of it would be like the price point. I mean, just cause it's sustainable, say they 
use rainwater and uh, all these techniques to grow it, but then your apple costs three dollars, and then your larger farm apple costs eighty nine cents. I'm gonna go with eighty nine cents apple. It's really cool that they grew those apples like sustainably. If I'm at a farmer's market and I can see that I'm more likely to do it, but in a big store, I would go for, it's still a USA product. The price point's a little bit better and I can see that it's still quality. I'll go for that. And it's bulk is what it sounds like to me. Like if, you, if you're walking through a farmer's market or headed to the store and you see somebody outside having their little homegrown stuff, you might support an apple or a potato or something but then you're going to still go to the grocery store and buy your large quantity because it's cheaper. You're not going to support your yourself or your families off of maybe the, yeah. the sustainable or the farmer's market price. Exactly. It's hard to, uh, like we're having a party tonight for me to have gone out and gone the sustainable uh, meats and the uh homegrown like the small vegetables from the farmer's market all that would have cost me way more than when i paid for to prepare the dinner for tonight so i think something else that's interesting about the sustainability conversation as it relates to agriculture is that it's ever-changing you know especially i think for for farming specifically rather than ranching i think that uh you know there are new weeds and new problems that are always coming up and it realistically it's probably applies to both but there are always new problems that are coming up and so you have to come up with new pesticides to deal with those. And, and uh, you know, I think that, I think that humans are smart and that we're innovative. And, and if there's a, there's a problem, if we realize that a chemical is having a negative effect, it'll get changed eventually. You know what I mean? So I think that, I think that people are realistically pretty good about being careful about what they're doing to the environment as they're, as they're doing it. So I don't think that it's as big of a deal as, as people make it out to be. As, as non-agricultural consumers, do you guys ever get sustainability fatigue? Do you see sustainability on these almonds and on those raisins and blah, 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 and you see it all over the place? Does it become meaningless to you after a while? Or do you still think about what it means to you and, and the production systems that they represent? I don't get fatigued. I see it in a, uh, it piques my interest that I might buy that product and it, it does come down to the product. Um, I'm not against this, uh, sustainability in smaller companies doing that uh, in beef or um, you know, plants and fruits. Um, you know, you get your impossible burgers and, and all this where Burger King's making those and that's really cool. And I've actually eaten some of those because uh, my brother's vegetarian. And I, I'm nothing again if it's a way for other people to enjoy something and, and it's still around the same price point and it's, you know, one less cow killed or one more farmer feeding his family by making a profit. I'm for that. Um, but I'm not like hard for it. I'm not an advocate, I guess. I, I'm the lazy consumer where, oh, that price looks good. It looks good to me. I'm going to get it. But every now and then when I think a little bit more on that choice, I go for it. Yeah, I don't even see sustainability at my grocery store. Like I'm not walking in and I don't even see a big 
sign that says this was sustainable. I don't even think I know what sustainable means in the agriculture community. Like does I can like picture a like corn, for example, I could see maybe they reuse the rainwater, but like what is sustainability on like a cattle farm or what is sustainability like on an apple orchard? Like, I just don't know what that looks like. And quite frankly, I'm not even looking for that. Like, it sounds bad, but I like could care less almost. I walk in, I see the apples I get every single week and I see the steak I get every week and I get it. Like, I don't care if it's sustainable or not. And I don't even think I know what it means for it to be sustainable. So. I appreciate that perspective because I think a lot of times in agriculture as producers, we don't agree on what sustainability means. There's a lot of vagueness around the term. And I mean, it can be very, very confusing to consumers. You know, you just want what you want and you're going to go and get it regardless. And so um, I appreciate you saying that. And, and to, you know, sustainability looks different for all parts of agriculture, for all different um, sizes of, of farms and, uh, you know, maybe we should come to some sort of an agreement before we start throwing it around out there, confusing the rest of the world. But thank you for that, Lauren. Well, and I think sustainability too in agriculture is our own buzzword. And it sounds like it's not even like we want to prove that we're sustainable, but it sounds like the consumer is like, what is sustainable? And I'm not looking for that, or I'm looking for specific things. And it, sustainability in general is not something they're looking for and sustainable for say my family's operation might be financial at this point or passing it on to the next generation. It, and it, yes, environmental and stuff comes into that, but it's, it's such a broad term that I, I appreciate your guys's kind of opinions on that. So kind of maybe switching a little bit of gears. Um, I feel like there's been a few lettuce recalls lately. Um, but how safe in general, do you feel like, your food supply is and when you see a big recall like the lettuce what's your gut reaction or are you kind of like oh everybody's going to take care of us or i really need to make sure i'm not eating lettuce kind of thing same with beef there's been a couple beef recalls too um personally i feel very safe with the fda regulations um they tell us as soon as they know if there's like e coli on the lettuce we should be washing our lettuce anyways at home but compared to other countries, we're extremely lucky with the type of food we get and the safety of our food. Um, I've been to other countries where I had to get a Hep A shot because their food isn't as clean as ours. Their water is not as clean as ours. So I think we're really lucky. That's why you don't eat veggies. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ray should repeat that a little louder. <laughs> There's never been a recall on chocolate cake, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you hit it right on the head. I think that, uh, you know, as, as hard as we try to make everything safe, right, ultimately we're going to make a mistake and it happens in every business. It happens in my business. We just got done cleaning up somebody else's mess that in, in my business that, that, uh, you know, whether or not they tried to make it work like it was supposed to, it didn't. And so eventually people are going to make mistakes and, whether or not that's the fault of the, of the farmer or whatever. Um, you know, I think that ultimately people are going to make mistakes and, um, you know, but I think that hope said it perfectly. It's we're a lot luckier here than people are elsewhere. I think that 
our food is extremely safe. I would be shocked if it wasn't the safest in the world. And uh, I, I don't have any fear going to the grocery store and buying stuff or, or eating anywhere. I think that uh, I think that we're pretty protected from that sort of thing. So. Well, and one thing too, really quick is coming from a science background, I mean, E. coli and whatever bug is in the soil and we're exposed to it every day on our skin and whatnot. So this is just like a natural thing that has happened. So it's kind of out of our control. And so the, the fact that it has happened and that we're taking the right precautions to try to prevent it um, and contain it, I think is, is a good thing. I think it's not as uh, common as we may think uh, with today's media and, and resources to see when something happens, a recall could happen in a super small town in Virginia. And they say, oh, be careful, don't eat lettuce. And then it happens all across you know, the States. Now there's other cases where it is larger, but uh, at the point it's, you know, watching yourself and, um, uh, and just, you know, once the problem, you know, it's like you go to a restaurant and you could get food poisoning uh, at that restaurant and it could just come down to a small mistake, but there's plenty of times you get food poisoning, you still go back and try that food. <laughs> Um, another thing, um, oh man, I'm blanking on it now. Common lettuce. I don't eat vegetables. So romaine, romaine, <laughs> so a new, uh, romaine <laughs> thing just came out and my mom, I had romaine lettuce in the fridge. My mom came over and said, well, I got a salad for you. Um, she's like, oh no, I'm not eating any lettuce. And I just feel like that's a lot different to me when I hear there's an outbreak. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to stop eating this food because there's been an outbreak. Um, I feel like the recalls issued anything I'm eating from there on out. Uh, I'm trusting my source to have already returned that product and not give it to me still. Uh, it is a lot of trust when you put that in them, but uh, it's a lot different from how my parents view uh, recalls in my opinion. I just want to play devil's advocate really quick. <laughs> She's a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, similar to that, like I took a food law class in law school and like, while we all think like, yeah, we're safe. The FDA is telling us about all of this. Like if you go on the FDA website right now, you're going to see 50 plus foods that are recalled and medications, but, and medications <laughs> right? So, but no one cares enough to go on there and look. So you could have a can of beans right now in your pantry that's been recalled on FDA, but it's not a big enough issue that the media is telling you. So I feel like the consumer, kind of like what you're saying, Ray, like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to look at the FDA. I trust my can of beans is fine. But at the same point, like, that is a lot of trust that we're putting in not only like the food industry, but also the media, which is its own beast, because people will only hear about it through the media. And if the media is not going to cover it, then people aren't going to know about it. So does that lead to more sickness from food? I don't know. But it's just interesting that we only get it from the media and people really don't care to actually look at things like the FDA or whatever. And kind of taking, taking it into our own hands to inspect our food or inspect what we have and just be aware of, of what's going on. Because, yeah, no, I can... I have how many cans of beans or whatever that have been sitting in my pantry for sometimes up to a couple of years. And I have no idea what's on the FDA recall list. And, and I probably have a good enough immune system for some of that. And it might be a silly recall, but just maybe being more aware of, of some of that might be 
be some of the educational portion of it. So um, another question I guess I have for you guys is what's been the biggest thing that's ever come out that's made you change or decide on a purchasing decision, whether it's mad cow disease or a recall or something like that that's come out, what's kind of jaded your perspective, perception of agriculture or some of your purchasing decisions? Trying to, what's the name of that movie that we had to watch in high school that had to do with like McDonald's? Super size me. Uh, super size me. Yeah, we watched that in high school. I don't know. That was eye opening because they show like the like plumped up chickens that are just like fed so much grain to make a bigger chicken breast. It didn't affect me in the slightest of what I bought, but that I think that was my first exposure of like what a sketchy life for an animal could be on a farm. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, something like came out and like change my buying habit. But one thing that I always know I buy is uh, brown eggs over white eggs. And I know there's no difference, but I still feel like I get a better product when I buy the brown egg. And I, you know, I've raised chickens and I've had many multicolored eggs and uh, farm, farm fresh eggs will always be better than, you know, your supermarket eggs. But every time I go, I get upset if they're just like out of brown eggs. Uh, Why? I don't know. I just, I think along, there's always been this uh, misconception that brown eggs are better than white eggs. And it's uh, not true. Like when you crack them open, they're both the same egg. Both, there's plenty of tests to say that they're the same. It's just now in the back of my mind, it's brown eggs are better. So I still always buy brown eggs. And maybe just the color change makes you think that they're more or closer to locally grown or farm raised yeah. or something like that. And so just when you crack your brown egg, you're thinking this came from a, a small backyard farm rather than something you saw on yeah. Super Size Me. And then labels too, um, when it says, you know, cage free or um, pasture raised, I, I read labels a little bit more, watching documentaries like that where it shows a chicken that can't even stand anymore because it's so fat and um, stuff like that. I I probably go for pasture-raised chicken eggs uh, now. I spend a little bit more for that. Um, I feel like I'm just getting a quality egg. And then when I lived in Fort Collins, I used to have a supply of you know farm fresh eggs, which were amazing. And so that's how I buy those. But when I go to buy my chicken breasts, it, I'm not looking for pasture raised. So I'm looking at the company. I'm like, oh, I don't like this company as much as that other one. But it comes down to, okay, yeah, these all have antibiotics. I'm still buying that. I'm not going to a local place to get, you know, butcher to get my chicken breasts. Uh, same thing with steaks and burgers when it says grass fed to that. I have tried many grass fed and I've tried others. It doesn't really make a difference to me in my buying habit but it's something that you watch those documentaries and it does make you think like I can make that better choice. I don't always do. Those documentaries, they, I mean, a lot of them are meant to shock and awe and to, to drive change towards, you know, towards someone else's agenda. Um, and I'm, you know, I certainly have my own thoughts and views on, on, on food safety and labeling and everything. But um, I mean, you mentioned before that there's plenty of studies out there showing that, 
that brown eggs aren't any more nutritionally dense or anything like that than white eggs. So, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty, pretty science minded, but those documentaries could, could sway you in some, in some areas. Um, why is that? May I ask? Um, some of those documentaries are really well made to prove their point. I've, I'm a huge like movie TV buff and I spend most of my time, but I'm not drinking. Uh, <laughs> uh, Which or, is rare. Or when I am drinking, watching TV. And I, I used to not like documentaries at all. I watch documentaries now, but a lot of them you watch and you're like, wow, that's a really good documentary. The visuals are great. The narrator telling the story of their case, all that catches you and it, makes you think but then dive deep into what they're saying and it's like it's a lot of biased opinions uh and facts that they're throwing at you so when i first watched documentary it, it uh, does influence me I'm like okay well they have some really good points but i'm not one to just like take all that to heart i want to do a little bit more research after watching that and some of those like supersize me or food inc uh i've watched those and like, wow, that was a really well-made documentary. It uh, showed a lot of things that I could agree with. But then when you dive deeper, it's like, there's more to it than all that. Uh, most, I feel like a lot of people watch those and just take it to heart. And like, that's the way it is. Uh, and that's why a lot of diets out there are super popular or fads or the whole going all organic, stuff like that. It, uh, misconceptions on a lot of things. Hey, the director so, does a really good job of getting you okay. on his side. Driving his point home. Yeah. That he really wants you to take, take to heart. Definitely. So, I mean, you just said it, and I agree. I think that those documentaries can be very, very persuasive, especially if you come from sort of a, you know, a non-nag bubble. Not a bubble, that's not the right word, but just not being as aware of the stuff as, you know, like me and Val are because we live in it <laughs> and we're ag nerds and everything. But is there something that you guys think that agriculturists could do to to be that kind of persuasive and be able to tell our story, for lack of a better term, to people like you to to get what we feel is the real narrative out there or is it a lost, lost cause? Um, can agriculture, can we change our image? Does our image need to be changed in order to be able to be heard, um, you know, and to be sensational? Um, because that's what gets into the news and that's what's really grabs headlines and, you know, drives clicks and makes people, um, makes people look at stuff. It has to, it has to grab you. And usually our, you know, we're, we're pretty self-effacing, we're quiet, we just like to get on with what we do, but are we fighting, are we fighting a losing battle here? Is there something that we should change in our approach towards consumers to be able to, um, to try and get the real facts out there? I think it would be tough because you're, you're fighting against the Hollywood machine, right? Your, your guys's job is to, is to grow food, raise cattle, you know, milk cows, all of that kind of stuff. Um, whereas the Hollywood machine and, and the media's job is to report on stuff and to create documentaries and all of that. So I think it would be difficult. And I think that some of these organizations that you guys are involved in could certainly help with that. But I, I think that it's a, it's an uphill battle because for whatever reason, people tend to believe the media and you know my personal perspective on the media these days is that they're 
totally full of it. I think that <laughs> the majority of what they report on is garbage. I mean, the fake news thing is absolutely true. Um, you know, I listened to a listened to a different podcast on it recently where they they literally make stories up just to sell them. I mean, there are news outlets that that pull things out of thin air um, that that make facts up just to sell sell news. So I think that it's absolute garbage. Um, and I think that it would be a really hard uphill battle to kind of re rebrand agriculture, but I think it's doable um, as long as kind of you're you're using these organizations that that you're involved in to to promote that. Um, so I think that it's really important, and I think it's doable. But it's uh, it would certainly be hard to to run a dairy farm and do that at the same time. So somebody yeah. else has to do it for you realistically. Yeah. And I think one of your questions was how do you connect with people, right? And how, how do you get them to, you know, purchase more homegrown and sustainable products or whatever. And I think that comes down to building that connection with people. And for example, one of my good friends, her husband actually grows a bunch of produce in Fort Collins in greenhouses. And he has contracts with King Supers and Walmart to sell those very products. And so what's nice about that is if I go to a Walmart or King Supers and I pick up, you know, whatever vegetable he, he makes, um, I know exactly that came from him and I'm more inclined to go and buy that. And so I almost think of it as like sometimes you're walking to the grocery store and someone's trying to market their coffee, like, hey, try my coffee. Maybe something like that could help in a produce aisle, you know, like, hey, try this lettuce with some nice balsamic vinaigrette from the lady down the street, you know, who makes her own. I don't know. Something like that could be helpful. Well, I think it, that's great perspective, and I really appreciate um, you guys all sitting down tonight with us and having these conversations, and I, I hope to do this again and continue. I know I've had a lot of good conversations with each individual, one of you, um, but thank you so much for being here, and be sure to share our podcast with all your friends as well, and we hope to continue the conversation outside the dinner table and outside of these walls here today, so thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us, provide feedback, and submit your questions. Our email address is Catherine at MillennialAg.com. That is Catherine with a K A T H A R I N E. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, rate us on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs>